Get ready for another amazing Insights Marketing Day with powerful, fun, engaging, and instructive speakers who are proven authorities in digital marketing and thought leadership. From social influencing to web, blogging to presenting with power, and learning to collaborate through it all, Insights Marketing Day covers a range of topics that need to be addressed for a successful, comprehensive, and interconnected marketing plan. We talk big picture with strategy and annual content calendars down to granular level micro actions so you leave informed and inspired. Each speaker will provide essential tips, actionable advice, and tools to improve your and your company's marketing. Join me, Priscilla McKinney, CEO and Mama Bird at Little Bird Marketing, and our keynote, Anne Hanley of Marketing Profs, followed by crowd favorites, Andy Crestedina, Johanna Walker, and Dino DeLich. There will be meaningful networking, a marketing practitioner's panel, and besides delicious breakfast and lunch, we always deliver afternoon gelato. That all happens before we wrap things up with an amazing happy hour, gorgeous swag, and serious prizes. This is the most fun you'll have building your personal brand, marketing prowess, social influence, and game-changing skills for the digital age. Don't miss Insights Marketing Day this year in Chicago, September 28th. Visit littlebirdmarketing.com slash insights hyphen marketing hyphen day. Hello and welcome to Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast. I'm Priscilla McKinney, Mama Bird and CEO here. And today, really, this is more like my news desk hour. Boop, 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 breaking news. <laughs> I've got with me Sasha McCune, a trusty colleague, a great friend, and also just an amazing market research professional. And we are going to talk a little bit about the state of the industry. And what I mean by that is marketing, consumer insight and really ethnography and a little bit more. <laughs> Anything that we're feeling like we want to talk about, but we know that it is very weird, weird, weird times. One of Sasha's favorite phrases that I love it when she uses like, hmm, that's a dumpster fire. <laughs> so we're going to think uh, about... Know, I, was, I was really hoping we were out of the dumpster fire stage, but here we find ourselves again. Yeah. What is it? Out of the frying pan into the dumpster fire? <laughs> But we are going to end on some positive notes, what kind of courage it's going to take to get through. But we want to talk a little bit from our perspective. Between Sasha and I, we do have an interesting perspective. I do because I see the PL of a lot of different marketing and marketing research companies. And while obviously I can't disclose specifics, but I do have a unique perch, if you will, this mama bird does, from which to look at this industry. And I believe Sasha also does too, because of the wide range of verticals of the industries that they work in over at Conifer Research. So before we jump in, Sasha, why don't you tell everybody if they don't know you, what you do day to day at Conifer Research? Yeah, I'm Sasha McCune. I'm a director at Conifer. I've been in the business almost 15 years now studying people, problems. We like to say if people do it, we study it. So that takes us to some of the stickiest problems of them all. Yeah. Something as simple as how people make a decision about what to watch when they sit down at, at the television, all the way to how does a business transform and change and what does 
the next 10 years of growth look like? So it can really range and span. And you're right, Priscilla, across verticals, I see a lot. And it becomes a little bit of a corporate therapist role in (laughs) in addition to consultant. And people have a lot of big problems right now. At the beginning of the pandemic, the problems were around change and adaptation and everything that was shifting in the supply chain and consumer landscape. There was a lot to learn and a lot of constant adaptations. The problems we're seeing now post-pandemic I guess the best way of describing them is corporate America woes. There are many of them right now. And it has been a massive period of adjustment post-pandemic for companies and for the people inside companies that has been harder than expected for a lot of really different reasons. And we'll talk about some of those today at the highest level and also what it looks like to move through some of those challenges. Okay. So let's get kind of specific because what we're seeing right now is a lot of people are talking about like some, everybody's tapping the brakes all the way to just absolutely slamming on the brakes. So we have a lot of layoffs going on, a lot of uncertainty uncertainty around how do we even describe this economy? But more than anything, you and I talk a lot about this, about the environment of paralysis and indecision. And that is really what is plaguing our industry. And I just have to say as a lead into this right now, I'm actually listening to Ryan Holiday's book, Courage is Calling. And he talks about this so much, like the inability to make a decision and how this becomes like the soup we're swimming in. And so it just was a very timely conversation that we were going to talk about this today. And I'm literally midway through listening to that Mm -hmm. about how much this harms true success. So let's talk about that, what you're seeing out there in terms of analysis, paralysis, et cetera. Oh my gosh. And unfortunately, I feel like I predicted this and I hate when that happens when you like, it was the early days of the pandemic. And I said to myself, oh shit, this is going to completely change people's risk calculations. This whole event is going to fundamentally recode the way we think about taking risks. And a lot of what we're seeing is going back to this changing norm of risk aversion. People are afraid to make decisions and are feeling stuck for so many different reasons. And some of them might be fear of making the wrong choice, fear of getting canceled, fear of something changing and their decision being moot, fear of being wrong, fear of the broader structures at a company the adjustment period is kind of hitting on a lot of different levels. Workforces, workloads are being level set within companies, employers and employees, their relationship is being redefined yet again, after just being redefined during the pandemic, you're seeing the balance of power, they're changing and you're seeing those power struggles at play that go beyond even the employer and the employee. There's power struggles within companies, within industries. There's A thing I'm seeing across many different companies that we talk to and work with is executive leaders within companies, going back to the corporate America was, they're so distracted by these really big issues that means they're dropping balls right and left in all of the other areas of the business. One of the biggest balls that's being dropped is setting a vision to keep their team working and moving forward. And that is what's really, really causing teams at all levels to struggle with moving forward and making decisions and getting work done. And on top of that, (laughs) you have to consider 
how the incentive systems right now are all over the place within companies and they're not very well aligned. And as an anthropologist, as a researcher, we study incentive systems. It's our entire world. So we have to be looking at these things all the time. And what we see is those incentive systems are kind of unraveling and reeling directionless all over the place. In some companies, you have CEO races that are happening. So that little power struggle is being played at the top, meaning that vision isn't set, vision is delayed for years, and teams can't make progress. You also have some clients that have political drama. And case in point, Florida, need I don't even think I even need to say anything else. <laughs> then you have organizations that are playing an endless game of reorganization and musical chairs, which is just causing all of this to kind of be in flux. That is so much about what we were talking about just recently when we saw each other at an actual industry event. We even were at industry events this over in the last couple of months where colleagues of ours were getting laid off as we were at the events. So, but I'd like to kind of put this on a different conversation. This isn't just you giving like anecdotal evidence. You and your team study, like you said, these incentive schemes Mm -hmm. and systems, and then also you study workplace culture and about employee advocacy and how that happens in a group setting in the cultural environment that is really created. So this isn't just kind of you saying, oh, I heard this here and I heard this yeah, here. No. <laughs> you know, you've studied this at length. And so you're coming at this from a real place of authority. So why don't you tell us a little bit more like what you see those larger buckets of workplace culture challenges that are emerging that are different than what you saw in the pandemic? Yeah, I mean, I think from a workplace culture perspective, there is absolutely a narrative going on about wanting butts back in seats. I mean, that's absolutely tied to incentive structures. Going back to what we talked about, executives want to mitigate the risk of underutilized assets, and that is real estate. So that is a lever that is being pulled. But at the same time that they're doing this, they don't understand their own culture that they're trying to bring back into the office. So they want to bring culture back to life, but they don't know what their current culture is. And if you want to rebuild yourself, you kind of have to do the work. You have to do the listening, the learning. It's not just as simple as running a quick survey and asking people. I think one of my collaborators in another company joked that there was a team that had done work To understand culture, they sent a survey to the entire company and said, what do you like about our culture? And that was the only thing they did to study culture. Culture is so much bigger than that. You cannot distill it down to a net promoter score or like a quant statistic or a single line item on a survey. Culture is so much more complicated than that when you're dealing with the workplace level. You have to think about how teams learn, how they cultivate bonds, how they communicate with one another, how they get access to information that helps them move forward, how they build purpose and belief. And the era of workplace and corporate ethnography needs to be revived. It's been quite a while since a lot of companies have done the work needed to put boots on the ground and learn how people are doing the work and bringing their teams to life. And businesses need to 
invest more in all levels of listening to their customers and their employees and realigning their values, realigning their vision, developing a unified value proposition for the company and bringing belief back into corporate teams and giving them the purpose they need. If you subscribe to StrengthsFinders, Gallup Strength Finder is a great book, but they have a whole section on belief is a strength. And a lot of times people with that strength find themselves working within big brands because working on a brand and building a brand is belief. You are infusing belief into a brand. And that is the same thing that goes for workplaces that is missing. Sense of belief and purpose and unity is not coming from the leadership teams within a lot of companies that can help them drive the cultural change that they want in the end. Right. So we have like kind of this weird phenomenon going on because there were some layoffs and this isn't an economic show, but it doesn't take a genius to see that these tech companies are making record profits at the same time they're doing layoffs. So it was kind of a situation of, oh, somebody laid off. Once somebody did it, the seal was broken. Let's just lay all these people off. But what you're talking about is this vision casting and this really this investment in a belief system is really lacking right now. And so it's very hard to get like that all in perspective from some brands. But what we're seeing in the market research industry is that has caused a lot of breaking and a lot of slowdown. And it is having a pretty massive trickle down effect into a lot of supporting industries. So tell us a little bit about that. And then I'm going to tackle a big issue of like we kind of break out of the current woes and move to some of the bigger issues that companies need to tackle. But what do you think about that in terms of now the repercussions we're feeling from some of the things you talked about, people failing to invest in courage and belief and getting and really honing in on casting that vision for their companies. Let's take a short break. As a business professional, mastering social media is no longer a nice to have set of skills, but a fundamental need in order to advance your career and exceed goals. A lot of people are interested in learning social selling techniques for revenue generation, network building, and maybe even to advance their thought leadership. But what is actually needed is a practical and repeatable system to digitally transform whole teams. Teams that commit to creating meaningful digital communities and learn how to leverage social media to turn relationships into sales online far outperform their competitors and companies that commit to investing in their teams to increase their personal social influence reap the benefit of increased brand awareness and positive upticks in company reputation. Social media is natural, it's cost-effective, and it's an easily leveraged tool at anyone's disposal. What is lacking is an effective and proven system that trains sales, marketing, HR, and executives alike to move from social selling to complete digital transformation and into digital dominance. Our 12-week social selling course is a practical, hands-on experience. It's taken over time specifically to address the needed mindset shifts, the changes in habits and behaviors, and all of this while implementing new skills. You will learn how to network effectively and at scale Build rapport with targeted audiences, expand your influence, and become the go-to authority in your area of expertise. 
So this is not a quick tips and tricks for LinkedIn success flash in the pan. It's a commitment to changing the way you show up online and experience career shifting breakthroughs. This is expert instruction in small cohorts with personalized one-on-one coaching. If you're interested, go learn more at littlebirdmarketing.com slash social hyphen influence. Well, it's it's interesting because the problem is it's a domino effect. Workplace stagnation trickles down into other areas. It affects innovation and how effective innovation is. It impacts consumers. Consumers will begin feeling the same indecision and risk aversion and acting on it. And we see it. We see it right now in our work on the consumer side, too, from what people choose to watch at night when they turn on the TV to what candy they choose at the candy aisle. Risk aversion is driving in the front seat. People are deferring major purchases and abandoning the market altogether for something, even after they've already invested the time to save up the money or to put in the research work. They might just be bailing entirely from categories in ways that we just didn't see before the pandemic in this kind of uncertain time of change. And the same goes internally. Like you see teams afraid to act and going back to the courage thing. The role of research in its fundamental core is giving people courage, change, innovation, making decisions, moving brands forward, building brands. It all takes a tremendous amount of courage. And Ironically, that's kind of become my word for the year. My word last year was relentless. So that will give you a nice comparison point. Moving from relentless to courage. But that tells you a lot on its own. But really, there isn't enough courage right now infused in the industry and in companies that's helping people move forward and get their momentum back. And that lack of courage comes, the sources is also from the top. People within companies are lacking the vision that they need. And that's the responsibility of leaders at companies, executives and mid-level leaders, understanding that setting the vision is mission critical for getting teams back to the thriving point and to be able to make decisions and move work forward again. And when you stop to think about it, if you don't have courage, you won't be able to manage risks and navigate risks. And good research gives people courage. Great leadership gives people courage. And even thinking about community and connection and bonding and coming together as a cohort, like what we did in Austin last week, that also breathes courage and energy into teams. And across multiple fronts, you're seeing what I see is a need for that courage to be infused in many different places in our work, in our worlds right now. Oh, I love that. And I actually heard this guy, Ryan Jenkins speak not too long ago, and I just had him on my podcast, but it was about the connectedness, about how to get teams all in. I'll definitely put it in the show notes for this too. But to me, it is about, this is the cost then of that analysis paralysis. Now we are just like stunted. It's just like, it's stopped up. And how do we get things going again? So let's kind of shift a little bit to this big idea, because Mm -hmm. in the middle of all of that turmoil that you've just described and what you've been seeing in 
lots of studies and in boardrooms that you're in a lot of C-suite meetings and in our industry. So you have a really interesting purview and you're not only looking at marketing, but you look at market research and then you also look in the ethnographic world and um, product innovation product and, and then design you're in human centric design. Like there's just so many places where you have your finger. And so it's so interesting to hear it from your perspective, but on top of this, businesses are being asked to really have a solid plan for digital transformation and mm -hmm. understand where they're going and transform their businesses for a new era of business. So with that thing tapping on everyone's shoulder, <laughs> how does this exacerbate the problem that you're seeing? What are you hearing about around oh my the gosh. big initiatives we've got to do? The transformation, the word of the freaking year other than courage. I mean, so I go to conferences every year. We were together in Austin last week at IEX North America. The week before that, I was actually at Front End Innovation in Boston. And I was speaking at that event with one of my client partners on transformational innovation, which is really exciting. But every time I go to that event in particular, I get a pretty great pulse check on what's keeping up the core change makers, what's keeping them up at night, what are the core change makers and companies losing sleep over. And these are the teams that actually really drive innovation and work to actually grow change and do the heavy lifting of shaping the future. And every year there's kind of a jargon of the moment. And I was kind of expecting it to be AI because it was AI at North IEX North America, but at this conference, it was definitely transformation. It was the word that everyone was using, but the interesting thing, and this is where as an anthropologist and a strategist and people that get really nerdy about semiotics and the meaning of words, you have to define what transformation means, people, <laughs> or else it doesn't mean anything. And this is the problem we're seeing. So digital transformation, I mean, Yes, big area, a lot of work to be done, but digital transformation can literally just mean that you're rolling out a new tech stack or changing your platform or migrating and updating your tools. So let's take a good metaphor here. When you get a firmware upgrade on your phone, do you feel transformed? <laughs> no, I personally feel a little bit hassled, but whatever. Exactly. So this is the problem with the digital transformation way of talking about things. Like, what does the transformation even mean? Maybe you're transformed for 30 minutes when you play with your new camera feature, but that's it. You're kind of over it. And the way people talk about transformative innovation on the other side of the spectrum is the Jetsons launching to Mars, developing holographic projections. It's innovation that feels so out of reach that people don't even know how to accomplish it or achieve it. And it becomes so intimidating. But there's this middle space where people forget to think about what transformation should be doing. And a great example, one of the things I talked about with Maya from Ferrara when we were giving our talk is to think about transformational innovation, not just based on the what something is, but on the actual impact something has to the business and the brand that takes it from something and to another. In that example, we joke that the Nerds Gemi Clusters product that we were talking about achieved transformational innovation because it was the most successful product in the entire company's history, and it achieved 20 times revenue growth in the first year. 
that business will never be the same. There is a before clusters and after clusters, which we call BC and AC (laughs) internally within the organization. But that's just not something that people expect to have been transformative. And this is why my ask to everyone when they're dealing in the space is make sure you and your leadership teams are developing a perspective and setting a vision for what transformation means. That means you have to be prepared to define what the before is and what the after is and what you're actually working towards. And if you don't do that, what will happen in companies is everyone will chase transformation through their own lens and their own definition, which will not actually help you transform. It will lead to a Frankenstein company, which might look more like a doll from a horror shop and not a polished entity that has been metamorphosed (laughs) to a butterfly. So think less Chucky, more American girl. (laughs) Let's try and get this straight. This is such a good plug. So thank you for giving me an opportunity for a shameless plug for my other podcast, which is Digital Transformation Success. And I have to say, this is the actual portion and I'll read from it in our intro because I agree with you. People need to agree on a definition when they're about to have this conversation. But this is what we say at the beginning of each one of those episodes is that digital transformation for us refers to the purposeful integration of digital technology into all areas of a business. It goes beyond technological innovations in that it requires a fundamental mindset shift of how to operate internally and deliver maximum value to customers at scale. When done well, it results in a culture change, one of your favorite Mm -hmm. things and mine, (laughs) a culture change to an environment where opportunities for digital technology are not missed, but they're thoughtfully used to change established practices and processes for greater efficiency, flexibility, and profitability. And so for me, that really kind of cutting down on it, look, it's not just the technology, it's the people, it's your mind, it's the way you interact, it's your go-to. It has to be complete transformation and no one thing is going to do it. So I love that you want to start people with a solid definition. Exactly. Because to your point, if you just go about digital transformation from a firmware upgrade perspective, you won't be prepared for the impacts of the change. And those impacts won't feel intentional and you will be in a reactive place as a leader. And that's why teams need to set the vision at the get-go about what are they trying to accomplish? Who are they trying to be? What is the after? What is the transformation? What are we transforming to? What's the goal? And (laughs) what is it going to give us? Great. It's going to give us an upgraded tech stack. That's great. But what else? (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Okay. So I just want to kind of end our broadcast, like our breaking news and say, this has been an update, but before I let you go, especially just as a huge thank you for your time and expertise and your perspective really on this, I guess I'd love for you to wave a magic wand. And what do you actually hope for this industry? And what would you like to see? And when the phone rings, which if any of us pick a phone up, but when the phone rings next, what would you like to be hearing from an ideal client? What is the next phone call Sasha McCune would like to get? <laughs> any conversation that is leading with courage, the courage to ask hard questions, ask better questions, ask the questions that have been swept under the rug within the company or have been let to kind of hang out in the wings that need to be addressed. That will help us bring us back to the momentum and energy that all teams are desperately looking for within their workplace. And also, 
work that can bring companies into their next generation of identity. A lot of people are desperate for that purpose, that connection, that brands are responsible for giving and bringing. And a lot of companies aren't making the time and space to do that work on behalf of their employees. Oh, okay. Let it be. <laughs> Let me put good vibes <laughs> toward that. So corporate America, let's get our act together. Let's quit it with this analysis paralysis. Let's step in. We hear courage calling. Let's actually answer the call and then pick up the phone and call Sasha McCune. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you, Sasha, for your perspective, for your time. I totally appreciate it. And from all of the peeps here at Little Bird Marketing, have a great day and happy marketing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.